Thank you, Pastor Bob, and thank you, praise team. Who wore their long johns today? Raise your hand. Uh, God bless long johns, and they, they do make Ohio more bearable. And uh, it was cold this morning, wasn't it? And, uh, but it's nice and warm in here. It feels good in here. Good to see all your uh, smiling faces. I do have a little bit of a reverb, I think, still. Clint, you might bring me down, and I'll just talk quiet. I'll talk. I won't yell at you today. Is that okay? All right, you guys, you want me to yell? I'll yell at you if you want me to yell at you. There we go, that's better. Um, who likes jigsaw puzzles? Who does jigsaw puzzles? You know, I, I'm pretty good. I don't want to brag, but I got one the other day. It said four to five years, and I got mine done in six months. And so, uh, uh, you know, I'm pretty good at jigsaw puzzles. And, uh, uh, you know, jigsaw puzzles are fun. I, I really don't do them. I, 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 that's one of those things that you say, oh, I'd like to do that, but... I never do it. Anybody else like that, that you say, oh, I'd, I'd like to do a jigsaw puzzle, but I never take the time to do it. Terry's been planning on doing jigsaw puzzles the whole time we've been married, and I don't think I've ever seen her do one of them yet. Uh, and it's just something, you know, jigsaw puzzles look fun. It's just not something that typically I take time to do. I, I go see Geneva Massey, and Geneva's usually working on a jigsaw puzzle, and I know a lot of you do, and, and they're, they're interesting, and they're, they, they look fun, but uh, I just don't, I just don't have time, it seems, to do one, and, or I don't take the time. And a jigsaw puzzle, if you're missing pieces, it's bad, right? Yeah. Right? Uh, you have an incomplete picture. And uh, I want you to think about jigsaw puzzles today, just a little bit as we go through this message, because I, I think that's a perfect analogy to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I, I believe that if we do not have close relationships with other folks, if we don't have relationships, Christian relationships, if we don't have other believers that we have uh, intimate relationships with, that we know, that know us, that we can share with, that we can talk to about the, the, just our lives, then, then I believe that we're missing puzzle pieces in our life. And, and, the, and the picture that is being developed in your life is incomplete without close relationship with other people. If we're trying to do this on our own, and, and we're, we'll be talking about this today, if we're trying to do this on our own, we're missing the point of what God is trying to do in our life. Now, can I, can I confess just a little bit? Uh, you know, as a, as a pastor, uh, being a senior pastor, and, and it's been a long time since I've been an associate. Maybe an associate pastor, it's the same. But can I tell you, being a senior pastor is one of the loneliest occupations I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, to, to be in the senior pastor office, oftentimes you feel like you are completely alone and you begin to, don't, I'm not trying to create a pity party here, I'm just tell, telling you the reality of it. And other senior pastors would tell you the same thing. And, and, and oftentimes in my life, if I have been part of any kind of spiritual endeavor, I have been leading it. I have been up front. As a matter of fact, for, for Terry and I have been married, we will be married 25 years next month. And in our 25 years of marriage, for, for maybe six months of that time, we were in a Sunday school class that I was not teaching. As a matter of fact, it, it was your Uncle Bob, Josh, that taught us. That was the only class in 25 years of marriage 
that Terry and I have been in that, that I have not been the leader of, <laughs> that, that I have not been responsible for. And just this last year, uh, we stepped back on Sunday night from teaching and became part of a small group that I'm not teaching, that I'm not leading, that we just go to. And can, you t- can I tell you, it's just been like a, br- a breath of fresh air to be part of a small group, to be part of a, of a group of people loving each other, going through the word of God together. And it's just been a great experience for Terry and I. So that's my confession. My confession to you is, I understand where you're, you're, you're at in this. I understand if you've been reluctant, if you've not been part of something like this, how difficult it is to jump in. But can I tell you, it's a missing piece in our life when we fail to incorporate close relationship with other folks into our spiritual life. Now, we're exploring, or we were exploring, and we went through the series Life Together, and we were talking about one of the core values of our church. And one of the core values of our church is transformation through relational discipleship. In other words, what we believe, what we do in here is valuable, and I believe in my call, and I believe in the time that we preach, and I believe in the worship time, and I believe these are important times, but we believe as a church body that we are transformed, not just in a worship environment, but we are transformed in the midst of relationship with each other. Sunday school, small group, service opportunities. We are transformed when we do life together. And so in October, we preached a series called Life Together. Do you guys remember Life Together? Anybody remember? Make it just humor me. Say, oh, yeah, Pastor, we remember that. We did a series called Life Together, and we went through all of the reasons why we needed to connect with other people if we wanted to grow into the people that God desires us to be. Now, what does God say? Now, when we, when we gather on a... Oh, Josh, come to the altar. Come on, just pray, young man. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> we got one flaking out? All right. Okay, on this side of the sanctuary, you now have to look over here. I don't know what you're looking at. i throw you all off. Um, What's important is what God says about this stuff, right? Amen? I mean, that's why we study the Word of God, because we believe the Bible is God's Word on on how we should live our lives. And, And so what's important is what the Bible says about relationships with each other. And and can we agree, if the Bible says it, we should live it, right? Well, that's kind of weak. Let's do that again. If the Bible says it, we should live it. I mean, we believe in the authority of God's Word. And and so it matters very little what I say if what I say is not consistent with God's Word. But let me read some Scripture with you today. This is in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. We'll go through verse 25. And I'm reading now the NIV this morning. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up 
for us through the curtain that is his body. In other words, Jesus paid this ultimate sacrifice and died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we can enter into this intimate relationship with our heavenly father. The the curtain has been torn, the veil has been torn, and so we can fully experience God because of what Jesus has done. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, this great high priest is Jesus, and Jesus exists eternally in the throne room with his heavenly Father making intercession for you and I. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So because of what Jesus has done, we can approach God with boldness. We can have this close, intimate relationship with God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, we can trust God. God will finish what he started. And then verses 24 through 25, which are particularly important for us today. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. (laughs) Does anybody else see the day approaching? (laughs) Did you see what's going on here? That the writer of Hebrews is connecting this great hope that we have, this intimate relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, this ability to approach His throne with boldness, this, this ability to be sprinkled clean by His blood, this ability to have an intimate relationship with God. The writer of Hebrew connects that great thought with the necessity of close relationships with one another. That that, that somehow, these are not disconnected thoughts. It's not as if, okay, I can have my relationship with God, but I'll, you know, if I have time for relationship with other people, I'll do it. But what matters is my relationship with God, and then I'll make time for other people. The writer of Hebrews is connecting those ideas. This ability to be in relationship with God and this great privilege of being in relationship with other believers, being encouraged by other believers. Now, typically, when when I've heard this this passage preached, it, it seems like we as pastors can become fairly self-serving in relation to this passage. And typically, I've heard it preached about this gathering, that, okay, do not forsake the gathering together, that somehow we need this worship. And usually this is the kind of a passage a pastor will use in January to remind you of the importance of gathering on a Sunday morning. Now, don't mishear me. I love our Sunday morning gatherings. 
And I believe our Sunday morning gatherings are important. I don't believe this is an accident. I believe God speaks through me, as, as flawed as I might be. I believe God gives me messages to speak to his people. And I believe when we sing and when we pray and when we give, it's, it's an extremely valuable, essential time as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ every Sunday morning. You know, I'm not devaluing that at all. But can we recognize for a second that when these words were written, they weren't gathering in this way. You know, they weren't gathering in large facilities with big groups of people. They weren't gathering 200 and 300 or 100 at a time. They were gathering in people's homes. And the homes weren't near as big as the homes that we live in. So so they were gathering in groups of 10 or 12 or 15 and studying God's word and praying and singing a song and sharing a meal. That is the context of this passage. And so in a lot of ways, this is more about a house church or a small group than it is about a mega church or even a church our size. Don't mishear me. I'm not saying that this isn't valuable, but what I'm saying is the forsaking that was going on here was the close, intimate relationship where the Bible could be studied together and conversations could be had and prayer requests could be made and confession could be made and prayers could be said and people could build up each other's faith together. I'm just going to say it. The most important gathering, I believe, that you have is the small group gathering you have with other believers. You know, I'm, I'm glad for this time, and, and I think this time is valuable. But, but I'll be honest, I think, I think our Sunday schools and our small groups are more important than this gathering if you have to choose one. And I have shut-ins. I have elderly that have to choose. And I tell them often, if you have to choose one, Choose that small group. Choose that Sunday school time where you can be in relationship with each other and you can talk about God's word together and you can pray with each other. See, pastors, we're judged on this time. We are. I I, I mean, sit with a group of pastors and they don't ask you how many people are involved in your small groups. Do they, Bob? How many do you have on Sunday morning? As if the only gauge of Christianity is if somehow we could get everybody in one room at one time, then everything is right in the world. That God's calling us to something deeper and more significant. This, these relationships with one another. See, close relationships with others is not simply a strategy. It is the essence of following Jesus. 
If we really want to follow Jesus, then close relationships, love relationships, intimate relationships with other people is essential. Think about it. What's our mission? Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Discipleship is our great mission. It is what we are called to do. And discipleship, discipleship's a relational mission. God has placed you and he's placed me in a relational mission. He's placed us in a task. He's given us the task of discipling other people. And this occurs in the midst of relationship. There is a level of discipleship. This, this speaking and you hearing our singing is discipleship. But the most effective discipleship is not here. But it's when we talk about God's word together. When we put hands and feet and, and, and we put tangible elements to the word of God, when we begin to, to, to really talk about what it means, that is discipleship and that occurs in relationship. What's, what's our greatest motive? What, what should motivate us? What does Jesus give as the greatest motivation? He gives it love, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're called to love. And so our greatest motive is a relational word. It's all about relationship. Relationship with each other. Relationship with our Heavenly Father. Relationship defines the mission. Relationship defines the motive. And we cannot live in those close, intimate relationships if this is the only aspect of Christianity that we do. It's impossible. So let me ask you. What if the missing piece, can we go back to the puzzle analogy? What if the missing piece in your relationship with God was closer relationships with others? Probably, I'm not going to say a percentage, but a good percentage of this congregation, you woke up on January 1st, 2017, how many's wrote 2016 like 40 times already? Who's wrote 1997 uh, 40 times already? I did wake up the other day and I was trying to think what year it was. And that, that's a disorienting thing, right? I'm thinking, it's not 2012, is it? No, that can't be right. Many of you woke up on January 1st, 2017, and, and, and you had in your mind this ideal of this greater spiritual awakening, this closer walk with God, this, this maturing spiritually. What if the vehicle to accomplish that was not some internal will of yourself, but finding yourself in intimate relationship and intimate conversations with other believers? Christian identity is formed in Christian community. Can you say that with me? Christian identity is formed in Christian community. That has been the way throughout. Now, small groups. 
Let me be clear. Small groups is a strategy. You, you can be a mature believer in Jesus Christ. You can be growing in your faith without participating in one particular strategy. But small groups is a strategy that we are trying to, to focus on in the midst of our local body because we believe it is a strategy, strategy which is consistent with this essential element of relationship. Now, relationships occur in all sorts of ways in this church. Many of you have been part of this church for a long time, and I'm talking about these relationships and knowing people and conversations and holy conversations and biblical conversations, and there's many people that you can think of. If you had a prayer request, if you had a need, if you had to go to someone, you have many people that come to mind that you know that you could go to. And these relationships have sprung out of uh, out of Sunday school classes. They, they've sprung out of small group settings. They, they've come in service. You've, you've sang in choirs together. You've served in foreign countries together. You, you've served in ministries together. And, and you just know people. You may have family members here. And you're surrounded by people. You say, well, Pastor, I don't need another strategy. <laughs> I've got just enough friends that I don't need no more. <laughs> and every once in a while, all this feels just like that, right? What if this wasn't just about you? What if what I was talking about, what if what the Holy Spirit was trying to do through our body was not necessarily to get you to heaven, <laughs> but maybe someone God has placed into this body that does not feel quite as connected as you. What if this was, was not necessarily because if you didn't find a small group, you weren't going to grow, you were going to grow regardless because you have relationships, but, but what if God wants to use you in the life of someone else? Can I just say, even, even if you don't feel the need, God uses different people in different situations to grow us. Anybody works, work out at the gym? Who, who, who does gym workouts, okay? You know, if, if you do the same workout over and over and over, and Eric, you, you're kind of a fitness guy. You tell me this is true. You lift the same, I'm sorry. If you lift the same every day, you're, you're not going to, eventually that workout's going to stop working, right? Some of you have done the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And maybe God's just asking you to break out of the routine and try something different and see if God cannot, will not grow you in new ways. Small groups is a strategy, but we believe it's a strategy that will lead us into closer relationship with God and closer relationship with each other. Now, I believe, th this is my personal belief, for this church to be the church it needs to be, it will occur not in here, but in the context of our small groups and our close connections. 
If we want to be the church that loves and disciples like God wants us to be, it will not occur simply in this Sunday morning gathering, but it will occur in these other intimate connections. So what are the barriers to small groups? Some of you are saying, well, pastor, I'm too busy. Who would say I'm too busy? Raise your hand, right? We're all too busy. Everybody feels this crush, this, this pressure. And, and you know, when, when you, we're almost not quite empty nesters. Spencer's in ninth grade. We're trying to fast track him, but I don't know if we'll be able to do it. Uh, but when you have kids, kids, you know, kids in sports, kids in school, they, they run you ragged. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just lucky. Um, I'm right across from the school. And so uh, every time Spencer forgets something, I can just run it to the school just for him. And they've asked me if I want to put an office over at the high school. I'm there so often. We often, most of the time, we feel too busy. This is a question of priorities. There's no other way to put it. What are our priorities? People are ever always more important than schedules right? See, see, and so even though we're too busy, and and the truth is that oftentimes, I mean, I'm not going to devalue or belittle the busyness of of your schedules. Some of you folks are retired, and after you retired, you wondered how you got everything done before you were retired, right? Amen. Amen. The, the, The busiest people that I see are retired folks that are running like crazy. Can we spiritualize it just for a second? What what if the pressure of our schedule was not something that was God-given, but it was a temptation placed on us to keep us from doing things that were more important and more valuable? See, you have, you know, we still believe in a personal devil that tempts and tries, right? Do we still believe that? And see, we, we have a tempter that's he's not over the top. He, he, he's not, he's going to not come to you and say, hey, let's rob a bank today. But he's subtle. And our schedule is often the thing that he uses to keep us from doing the things that matter more. Maybe you've been hurt. And why do we get so hurt in the church? Anybody ever been hurt in the church? I've been hurt in the church. Man, the, the, the hurts in the church cut deeper than anyone anywhere else. Amen? And all of you, if, you've heard my, if you're hearing my voice, there's been a time, there's been a moment that someone that you have loved, that you have made yourself vulnerable to, has hurt you. And I realize that in a congregation this size on a Sunday morning, as I've talked about small groups, you're saying, not again. I am not going to open myself up to the possibility of being hurt by someone else. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have no choice but to open ourselves up to be vulnerable to other people. I wish I could tell you that hurt's not possible, but I can't. If we're going to follow Jesus, there is always the possibility of hurt, of pain. 
Maybe you think, well, my spirituality is personal. And there's a lot of people that think that way in our culture. That, that, that tends to be a postmodern, a, a millennial view of spirituality. I, I, I don't think it's just limited to postmoderns. I, I, I think it's just kind of the way people think. What I do spiritually is between me and God. And, 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 and that's why you see this reluctance to trust religious organizations or become part of church because there's many people in our culture that just say, well, my spiritual being is between me and God and no one else. Can I just tell you that's not a biblical view of our spirituality? Earlier we said that, that you know, God's word and what God says matters on this stuff. And when God speaks in terms of spirituality, God speaks to and through communities. He always has. That, that as you read the, the biblical narrative, as you read the story of God, God is consistently speaking to and through communities of people. That's God's chosen method, not my chosen method. That's how God decided to do it. Now, John Wesley, who's, you know, we're Wesleyan in our, in our theology, and uh, John Wesley was an Anglican priest, and, and, and he became the, the, the champion, the beginner, beginner of this Methodist movement, this, this, this movement of, of a method of spirituality. <laughs> And you realize that as we say that we are Wesleyan in our theology, and I know there's aspects of what we believe about what the Holy Spirit will do in our life, that that's part of our Wesleyanism, but also significant in Wesleyanism is this ideal that we grow together. You know, the ideal of 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 classes and, and groups and Sunday school classes and small groups for the language of our di- day. This ideal that if people were going to spiritually mature, they would do it together. That is the method of Methodism. And that is John Wesley. And John Wesley tells of a conversation with a serious man. He doesn't give a, in the readings that I saw, he doesn't give a, a person's name. He just calls him a serious man. And this serious man says to John Wesley, he says, Sir, you wish to serve God and go to heaven? Who would like to do that? Say amen, right? <laughs> Remember, you cannot serve him alone. You must therefore find companions or make them. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. So what's that leave us? This takes commitment. Like anything else in our spiritual life, anything else in our life, it takes a commitment. We have to be willing to commit ourselves to the process. That the pace of life oftentimes makes it difficult to commit to any kind of extra activity, particularly a small group. I mean, it just tends to define low priority in our life. It takes a commitment to move beyond other people's personalities. Amen? You know, when you're in relationships with other folks, sometimes they just rub you wrong. Don't look at your neighbor. 
but it takes a commitment to say, I'm going to, I'm going to move past that and I'm going to find myself in relationship, even though the pace of life works against it, and even though other people's personality sometimes works against it. But it's worth it. We've got a short video. Are we good for this, Dave? We've got a video of someone who's part of a small group, and this is Emily Lauterbach. Hi, my name is Emily, and my husband Clint and I moved to Marysville about eight and a half years ago. And shortly after we began coming to this church, we got invited to be a part of a small group. And to be honest, we were a little bit nervous when we first got asked. Uh, we hadn't gotten to know very many people in the church yet, and we had never been a part of a small group before. So we weren't quite sure what to expect, but we decided to give it a try. And I'm so thankful that we did, because now when we have some sort of emergency or we really need help with something, those are the people that we call and we rely on. Or when we have something to celebrate, uh, we want to praise something. Those are the people that we call. And those relationships that we have formed over the past eight years have meant so much to us. Clint and I don't have any family, any blood relatives in Marysville, but we feel like we do have family in Marysville because we have the people that are a part of our small group. And it has just been the best experience. So when the opportunity comes around for you to sign up to be a part of a small group, I really encourage you to give it a try because we are just so thankful that we did. To give Emily a hand for sharing today. So let me ask you, are you using all the pieces of the puzzle? So what's our action time today? In the back of the sanctuary, uh, there's options available for you to be part of a small group. Um, we have several different places that, that you could um, participate in. Um, we have uh, available right now uh, for small groups. On Wednesday nights, I teach a small group at, at 6 p.m. There's not a sign-up sheet because there's really not. We, we don't have any set limits on that one. If you'd like to be part of that, we'd, we'd, we'd love you to be part of that. Um, I am not going to be doing Not a Fan because some of the other groups are doing it, and I know the people that are part of my group uh, will be going through Not a Fan and, and their other groups. And so uh, I'll be doing some selected topical studies, and it's 6 p.m. on on Wednesday night, we, we typically meet in one of the rooms. I don't know what room number it is, just over here. I think it's 101, uh, but we meet every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Uh, we also have some groups that are beginning not a fan starting next week. And so uh, if you would like to purchase a copy of the book, not a fan, for the, the next series, um, I'll make sure that we get them. Josh, could you get them out? so that they can be available for people. They're $10. Uh, you can get them Kindle for $10 as well. And Josh will have them uh, in the back of the sanctuary as well. But, but Kim Marks, Pastor Kim and Christy Anderson. Christy, why don't you stand? I saw you were in here. Uh, Kim's teaching our kids. We'll be doing a small group at 5 p.m. on Sunday nights at 260 Caddy Drive. And, and these are all in your bulletin. So you, you have all these listed. And then there's sign-up sheets in the back. Um, on Sunday nights at 6 p.m., Matt and Karen Moore. Would you guys stand? All right, Karen's here. 
uh, and Matt's in the back. Uh, we'll be doing a, a small group at their home, 13701 County Home Road in Marysville. On 6 p.m. on Sunday nights, Rick and Tammy Jacob teach a small group at 526 Grace Drive. Uh, this is an existing group, and there's really only space. We're, we're trying to limit how many because, you know, a small group, if it gets much beyond uh, 12 or 15, it's kind of difficult to have the relationships and the conversations. So uh, there, there's four slots available for that one if you'd like to participate in that. Uh, Geneva Massey. Uh, we'll beginning, be beginning a small group on Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m., going through Not a Fan at her house at uh, Sassafras Lane, which is just over in Mill Valley. And then we have on here, it says Wednesday nights at 6, but it's Sunday nights. Bob, why don't you stand? Pastor Bob teaches a small group uh, in the library, I believe, is where he meets. And so there's a sign-up sheet back there, and he'll be going through Not a Fan. Is that correct, Bob? Uh, beginning next week. And then Pastor Christie, could, could you stand, Pastor Christie? Uh, we'll be doing one Thursday afternoons at 1 p.m. for our primarily our retired, our senior adults. And, and she's going to do it at Bob Evans. And Christie said she's buying lunch for whoever comes. And so uh, I'll be there every week. Um, so what's your action item today? Uh, I want you to take some space and to consider, to talk. In the back of the sanctuary, there's sign-up sheets. Josh will be back there with the books. We're beginning Not a Fan next week, which is, uh, I, I believe will be a, an important series in the life of our church, and we'll be preaching through that, and I believe it's a, a six-week series. Small groups. I, I'm not asking to commit till, till Jesus returns, unless Jesus returns in the next six weeks. <laughs> uh, I'm asking you to make a six-week commitment or whatever this series is to a small group. Uh, I, I believe in, in, in letting you try these things and, and see if God can't do something significant in, in a small group setting. And so th th this isn't until the end of time you're making a commitment. This is a short-term commitment. And if that small group doesn't work, then, then sometime in six weeks or so we'll be doing a, a similar thing and making other groups open as well. Maybe, maybe none of these groups fit your time and, and, and maybe you would like to start something on your own. We're, we're not... You know, we're not trying to limit people in their options. This is just the people that have come forward and been willing to be, participate in a small group. But, but I know there's people in the church that have talked to others about doing a small group together. And so, so maybe that's something that you're inter interested in doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. Uh, Josh will be right there. See Josh? Wave at Josh. Okay, he's got the books. The sign-up sheets are there. I'm going to pray, and I hope you take the time uh, to be prayerful about this and consider how God might move in your life through small group ministry in the coming year. Lord, help us to be obedient to your, to your voice today. Lord, we love you and we thank you uh, for people that you've placed in our life. Help us not to take it lightly or take it for granted, Lord, but may we love people uh, as you've given us the, um, the opportunity and the privilege of, of, of being in relationship with others. I pray, Lord, that will be about your mission, uh, your mission of discipleship. And Lord, may we take, uh, make a, a, an important priority on, on the time that we need to spend in relationship with other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.